Hey friends, this is Monica, one of the hosts of Two Monicas and a Microphone, and this is the launch of our second season. We're here to talk to you about nothing serious seriously and be real, relatable entertainment. So the kickoff today is fairy tales and why they should scare you. Have you ever wondered what really happened to Sleeping Beauty before Disney made it a movie? Or if Snow White was a real person? I sure had no idea. But if you stay tuned, you'll find out. It's our first episode of the I'm new ex- season. I'm really, really pumped about the new season and this episode in particular. I think we picked a winner of a not serious subject. Definitely. I had so much fun researching this one and I know we're going to have a lot of fun talking about it today. It's a little disturbing, more than a little disturbing. So just want to give a disclaimer that if you have very young children, you will not want to listen to this with them in the room because we will ruin all of your Disney memories. Yeah. Most, most of them anyway. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. I would say that this is something that as an adult, you can discover, but nothing you need to know as a child. Absolutely. Fairy tales do come true. Ooh, I hope some of these don't. <laughs> right. Right. So today's episode, friends, if you're just joining us, this is two Monicas and a microphone. And we're here to talk about nothing serious, seriously on a regular basis. So if you're new, we have a whole season one that you can enjoy. And if you're a returning friend, well, we appreciate you. And today's topic is fairy tales should scare you. Yeah, we're going to get into the origin of fairy tales. And once upon a time ago, people were creeps. (laughs) They really were. It's your Victorians, Monica. I know it is my Victorians, although it actually, but the Victorians are creeps as we know, but they were preceded by these other creeps. Oh boy. We all know fairy tales do come true. They can happen to you if you're young at heart, as Mr. Walt Disney coined. But do you know the origin of so many of your beloved fairy tales? I didn't. I knew a little bit, but I certainly didn't know how grim they could actually get. And that the Grimm brothers took their dark and twisty imaginations, adapted some of our most beloved fairy tales. In this episode, we're curious to explore the history and origin. Did you pick any out in particular that you just have to get into? Yes. I know Hansel and Gretel is kind of like fairy tale story, whatever, but no one really cares about them. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I don't care about them at all. If anyone cared about them, Disney would have made a movie about it. Let's be honest. Uh, I totally agree. So we're going to go with the classics, the ones everyone knows, Cinderella, Snow White, Sleeping Beauty, and The Little Mermaid. And I'm going to add one to this, Beauty and the Beast. All right. That is probably my least favorite, but I'm oh, curious to know more about it. What? Yeah, I know. Not, we'll, oh we'll my gosh. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. So Monica, what is your favorite fairy tale? It's so hard to say what my favorite fairy tale is because there's two ways I look at it. One, which one do I like to watch and have always loved watching Mm -hmm. would be Sleeping Beauty. The one Mm -hmm. that I have always loved reading, Cinderella. Okay. I don't think I've ever read any of them, Um, Mm -hmm. but my favorite is by far Cinderella. I mean, I love shoes. Hello. I always say I am Cinderella. Because if you approach your day, like you get all your chores done, then you get to go to the ball at the end of the day. I always say it's a Cinderella day when I have a lot of chores and errands to run. 
I like that. And That's really cute. Cinderella is great. And I can't wait until we dive further into the character and villains and all of that later in this series, because Cinderella is just such a great story. It really is. And there's so many variations and ways that you can play off of it. So uh, let's just dive in because me knowing nothing about the origin of these fairy tales, I really did think that Disney was the gospel when it came to fairy tales. Well, actually, Monica, I'd like to back up just a bit here. Why is Cinderella your favorite? Do you know why? I mean, what about it makes it your favorite? I'd love to hear. Maybe someone out there listening to us would feel the same way, or maybe they might be like, uh, no. Because I love shoes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's really it. That's all. Oh, and that's so slippers. That's, it. that's so cute. I love it. <laughs> I totally love it. I uh, love Sleeping Beauty because she's so beautiful. And I loved the fairies and Maleficent and all of that. That's why know, I always love Sleeping Beauty. I put Aurora on the oh, list. I love the name Aurora as well. Yeah. I wanted to name Sienna Aurora. Ariel was a little too, it's a little too close to home. Oh my goodness. <laughs> no, like, seriously, um, I was going Zach to name wanted it. to name Brady Ariel. I was like, honey, do you know what the name Ariel is? He's like, what are you talking about? Yeah, it's no, I definitely princess. put both of those on, <laughs> on the list. And Paul immediately, when we went through and he had to cross names off, he's like, it's gone. <laughs> That's so Because funny. I just wanted to be able to say, oh, Ariel. Oh, goodness. Boy, I'm so glad that Paul not marked that off the list then. <laughs> yeah, I would just be screaming that. All right. So I did think Disney was gospel, even though I knew that there was more to it mm-hmm. because everyone knows the Grimm brothers. I actually found a copy of the Grimm fairy tales as I was unboxing books because, yes, I'm still moving people. You know, you can go one of two ways. You either choose Grimm or you choose Disney. And I chose Disney. But I didn't realize that some of these fairy tales are based in the second century and have over 500 variations. Oh, definitely. Just like, was there a great flood? How many different cultures talk about a great flood? How many different cultures have the same themes running through them? We're just going to find that that is the case with all of these fairy tales. Let's dig into Cinderella because it is one of the oldest fairy tales on record. The original tale is from the first century BC. Wow. Right? Mon, do you want to pronounce this? Who, what? Rhodopis? Yeah, Rhodopis is the original ancient version of the Cinderella story. And it was first recorded in first century BCE by the Greek historian Strabo. It's considered to be the oldest Cinderella story. But it's not what you think. She was kidnapped, sold across the Nile into slavery, and because she didn't look like the other slaves, she why didn't she look like them? She what had was different hair about her? And fair skin. Blonde what? Hair and fair skin. So yeah. Cinderella has had blonde hair and fair skin from day one. From day one. Wow. Mm-hmm. She was hated by the other slaves, but the master recognized her beauty and gave her a special gift of rose gold shoes. Ooh, nice, but I bet super uncomfortable. Eventually she's like doing something in the Nile and a bird poops on the shoes. And then she has to wash them. That is scandalous. A bird is pooping on these really nice shoes. That is a horror story in and of itself. I, I would totally agree. There are other versions, Chinese and Greek versions of this classic tale go back to the ninth century and the sixth century. 
Wow. Very, very old. Now, this is truly a tale as old as time. I mean, they tried to sing that in Beauty and the Beast, but I feel like Cinderella is truly the tale as old as time story. I agree. Story. I think they missed the mark with that. that they phrase. did. There are over 500 variations of Cinderella in Europe alone. Oh, it's in like Europe. vampires. Yeah. So the most well-known comes from Charles Perrault in 1697. And he's considered the father of fairy tales with his book, Tales and Stories of the Past with Morals. Yeah, he is straight up telling you he has an agenda. <laughs> yeah, and, and that is traditionally how people learned morals and values through stories. So today it's better known as the Tales of Mother Goose. Why we changed the name, I'm not sure, because I like the idea of tales and stories of the past with morals. Yeah, Mother Goose is uh, one of the stories, I think, and somehow I was looking at that. But then I saw a guy dressed up as Mother Goose in the 1800s, and I was like, this is a rabbit hole. I don't want to go down. (laughs) So his versions of these stories are the most well-known, and it's pretty much what Disney has based their movies off of. I always wondered why a glass slipper and it turns out that his version wasn't a glass slipper. Well, what was it? It was a mistake in translation. The original use of the word was fur. It was a fur slipper, but it was mistakenly translated to glass. Hey, parent friends, Monica and I want to take a break and ask you a few questions. Do you struggle to get your children to listen? Uh Uh-huh. Do you desire your home to be a place of peace, not stress? Yes. Do you feel like everyone else has it figured out but you? Who doesn't feel this way? I don't know because I definitely feel this way at least once a week. But Monica, we're not here to talk about another episode. We're here to tell our friends about a great resource, Kristen Schmoke parent coach. She does live online coaching for overwhelmed parents who are looking to create harmony in the home. I've read her reviews and she's incredible. Monica, you've used her before, right? I have. You and I have laughed together over the last 18 months about my struggles as a parent of two small kids. It felt like I had been underwater for a couple of years dealing with their emotions when Kristen came back into my life. I had no idea I was doing things backwards by trying to teach them to calm down in the middle of a meltdown. So the next time I became frustrated, I reached out to her. She's so calm and reassuring and really knows a lot about communication and kids, thanks to her training as an early education teacher and as a mom of four herself. During our session, she helped me understand the behavior I found frustrating was probably just a reaction to all the change we had in 2021. I took her advice, took a deep breath, and didn't focus on the behavior, and our issue is improving. That's incredible. I love it. I don't know if you know this, but I've reached out to Kristen before as well when I've needed help with Lillian's middle school drama, and she's been amazing. Friends, if you'd like to check out what Kristen has to offer and learn more about her coaching and how it can improve your family life, please go to kristenschmokecoaching.com. That's K-R-I-S-T-I-N. S-C-H-M-O-K-E coaching.com. You can also find the link in this episode's notes. Check out her reviews and book a free coaching call and start becoming the parent you've always wanted to be. 
Now back to the show. Oh, well, that makes a lot of sense because there, how would you walk around in a glass slipper and not break it? Trust but me, it's a fairy tale, so it's magical, right? This right. is how I would. And it makes for really great cinema when it comes to the evil stepmother smashing it with her walking stick. Sorry, I love that scene. <laughs> That's a little bit on Charles Peralt and Cinderella. Now we move into the Grimm brothers. They adapted mm-hmm. it in 1812. We're not going to dig too deeply into them and their version of it because there's a whole other episode. Okay. So I tend to think of the Grimm brothers as the original Tim Burton ruining and deadening all the best things. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's so true. You know what? I did not read that in the notes earlier, so I'm glad I'm surprised by you. I was <laughs> like, I saw the word Tim Burton. I was like, what is she even going to say here? Uh, definitely, I would agree with you on that. But come on, their last name is Grimm. So <laughs> fitting. But I think that they get a little bit of a bad rap that they don't completely deserve. But I'll go into that later, too. Okay. So now let's talk about movie adaptations. There are 73 adaptations globally, including TV, cartoons, and movies. And the first one is dated 1899, and it's six minutes long. I thought that was really cool. Oh my gosh, I would love to see that. The most famous is, hello, Disney, in 1950. Hmm. I love that. There's one that I would love to watch. It's called The Glass Slipper. It's from 1955. It's 93 minutes long, and it's a tomboyish outcast cinder, Ella, and the Duke's charming son, Charles, fall in love in this comedic rendition of the classic fairy tale. Oh, cute. So, Monica, that's my short little list. Do you have, I know you have a favorite or two. Well, my favorite is Ever After. Obviously, I love the original Cinderella Disney cartoon. Absolutely. But then Ever After is just such a beautiful story. And if you want to hear me gush about it for at least five minutes straight, then you can hop on back to the Drew Barrymore episode. (laughs) I'll spare everybody that right now. I watched the modern adaptation that what Disney's doing right now called the live action action. version. I was like, I loved it. Oh, really? No, I loved it. I thought it was great. I don't know. I thought it was really true to the original Disney. So for me, it didn't add anything. Like you weren't really thrilled with the newest one that came out, which is kind of like a more musical version, but I really enjoyed it. The one that came out on Amazon. I think I'm picky about adaptations of Cinderella. I think that I really just, I have my two that I love and then I love the overall story. Well, I enjoyed it. I loved the the dressing up. I loved the costumes. I loved the dancing because we know I love musicals. Let's move on back to the Grimm brothers. You say here that they ruin and deaden everything. And I would agree that they do a lot of that. Do you have an example where they did that in Cinderella versus the Peralt story? Yes, because the sisters want to fit into the shoes. They, they <laughs> are so desperate to get the prince yes. as a husband, cut their toes off so that they can fit into the, into the glass slipper. Yes, the first sister cuts off her big toe. I will never forget reading that. Then the second, and then the blood runs and drips and some sort of bird. Why a bird would need to notify the prince? I have no idea. Like you couldn't see this. Anyway, so the bird shows him that. Then the next one, which 
is even grosser to me. She cuts off a slice of her heel to fit in it. So it's pretty gross. Okay, when Brady was little, I bought all of this. And honestly, his favorite was Sleeping Beauty. But that is, it's really cool from a cinematic standpoint, actually. Yes. For a little kiddo. And I mean, like when he was two, he just enjoyed watching it. Okay, well, that's a perfect transition because Sleeping Beauty is next on deck. Is she the darkest of them all? I don't know. Um, I think people want her to be, but I no, don't know if that's has the it, truth. How long has it been since you watched it? I don't know, a year or two. Okay. It is a yeah. dark and twisty story. That The scene where the prince is trying to get to yes. the castle. I love that all scene. all of the vines and yes. the trees. I mean, when Sienna wanted to watch it every single day for like six months, I the first time I watched it, after many, many years, I was like, oh my gosh, this is really dark. It is really dark. Probably why I like it. Um. <laughs> yeah, okay. Makes a lot of sense now. There is some, there is a really gruesome, if you will, origin story to this. But it's not Grimm's version, believe it or not. They are not the ones who messed up Sleeping Beauty. Sleeping Beauty was first published in 1528. That's where I'm going with this. I am sure you could take it all the way back. But the version that we know today came out of one called Persephorest, which is, I think, some sort of old English that I'm saying wrong. Okay, but anyway. Yeah, you probably are. Yeah, so it was published in 1528. In this version, the princess falls in love with a man, not a prince, before she dies or goes into the coma. Okay, so she's already in love with him. He finds her and he impregnates her while she is asleep. So little bit of consent happening there wow. or lack okay. of. Right. So I'm like, okay, I'm not a fan of that. I'm like, ugh. Anyway, she wakes up. She's apparently very happy about this because. <laughs> yeah, I'm so thrilled. <laughs> but honestly, listen, this is the crazy part. You know that getting pricked by the the needle. We yes. all know that. Okay. So, but in these older versions, it's actually that she will get a splinter of flax. So what happens is the splinter of flax causes her to go in this coma. And what actually wakes her up is not her lover. It is her child suckling her finger and pulling out that flax seed. I think that might be part of why she's happy about it. Okay. Yeah. Not that it happened, but that in the end, that is what caused her to wake up. I'm guessing also who the heck knows what these people were thinking when they wrote these things. And I will tell you this, a very prominent writer wrote something more disgusting in modern time. So I'm not gonna judge these people. <laughs> okay. Definitely a lack of consent there. The next adaptation was published in 1634. And this is where it takes the dark turn that a lot of those articles came up about. It was a version by, I'm not gonna say his name, correctly. It is Italian. Giambattista Basile. He's an Italian poet and a fairy tale collector. So he preceded the Grimm brothers, but probably around the same time as Perrault. But he's Italian. Okay. So he changes it from one, the princess never falls in love with any sort of prince. She's just put into this coma. We don't need to get into why. And But the flaxseed is still part of it. So mm -hmm. she goes into this coma and then a king happens upon her comatose body and sleeps with her. Story <laughs> Why? Is all sorts of, no, wrong. Right. Why are you adapting it into this even worse version of what has already happened? Like the story before, she gives birth to twins in her sleep. 
they suckle at her finger and pull out the flaxseed. So the king eventually returns, probably two, three years later. <laughs> oh, hey, I have a family. But you know what? Sleeping Beauty is very happy to see him, probably because she's been stuck at home with these freaking twins with no other human <laughs> being around. So yeah, I'm sure she does bond with him because she is messed in the head. Right. For sure, right? So she wakes up, doesn't know what has happened. And then this man comes around and is like, oh yeah, I did that by the way. And she's like, oh, let's be friends. And I'm so happy that you're here, right? So he says, you know, I have all these feelings for you. I want to take you back to my kingdom. Stay put though, I'm gonna have to work some things out back home. I'll be back to get you. But don't worry, it gets worse. Like that's not the worst part. I personally think it's all equally worse, but there's more to the story that is gruesome and weird. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, right. I can't. The king goes back and well, he's married, he has a queen. Well, she learns of the children and she reaches out and tricks Sleeping Beauty into sending the twins alone to the palace. Once she does this, she takes, once they're there, the queen takes the twins, gives them to the cook, tells the cook to murder and cook them because she wants to feed them unbeknownst to her husband. <laughs> that is some sick and twisted revenge is a dish best served. <laughs> Oh, oh my oh, God. Right? Disgusting. So as I'm reading, I think to myself, this is so twisted. And then I was skipping through. We have a lot to read. Sometimes I skip paragraphs. I had to skip back because I was like, oh no, she succeeded. And part of the story is the king eating his kids, but it was not. Whew. I was disturbed. I mean, this is already disturbing, but I was like, ew, no, I don't want to know about that. No. What happens is the cook is a human with humanity. And so, of course, she does not kill and serve the children to the king. Instead, she serves lamb. Hmm. But the queen doesn't know this. So while the king is eating, the queen is over there going, ooh, do you like eating yourself? Like a psycho. Oh, my God, Monica. <laughs> I'm laughing so hard. It's not it's like, funny. It's like one of those like triggers to something disturbing that you can't believe is real. So your body is like, I must laugh because this I is am so bad. Beyond shocked. <clears throat> yeah. So then she lures Sleeping Beauty to the castle and tries to burn her alive. In the meantime, the king finds out about the queen's plans and he actually burns her alive. And in the end, Sleeping Beauty and the king go on to live happily ever after. Okay, so I'm really glad this version was never made into a movie. Ew, it's super gross and weird. And why? Although that's a million dollar idea. Hello, horror movies are like all the rage. I'm with you. I could see someone taking the second half of this and making a horror film. The Charles Perrault version. Yes, let's thinking, get into some kinder, let's gentler. Let's get into some kinder, gentler. Yes. Okay, so he kind of throws it back to the original, meaning the prince and the princess meet beforehand, mm -hmm. but he cuts out all physical touch. There is not even love's true kiss on this. Oh. Yeah. So how did Sleeping Beauty wake up then? I was like, well, doesn't there have to be a kiss? No, it was just his adoration of her and made him fall on his knees and that woke her up. Oh. Yeah, so it's super sweet. Now in the Charles Perrault version, there is the story of the kids and an evil ogre queen does try to cook one of them. 
that was the thing as we know from hansel and gretel they're just really big into that <laughs> it's true it's, it's true so it's so true then i had a question all right did the brothers Grimm go back and make it creepy again and the answer is no they did not oh. what they did change though is that the prince doesn't fall on his knees he does give her a simple simple kiss i don't know if it's on the lips or the cheek or the chin forehead i don't know i didn't read it <laughs> but he gives her a simple kiss and that awakens her and they also believe it or not monica believe it or not they cut the whole part about the kids but they love cooking children i know but maybe they're like <laughs> you know what this is one two cooking children's stories too many right one is enough <laughs> So then I think that there's a big question out there, which would be what about Maleficent? And what I will have to say to everyone according to that is you're going to have to listen to our future episodes and we can break her down. Yeah. Yeah. So speaking of villains, I know that you have a favorite villain, which is Ursula. And she comes from one of my actual favorite Disney movies of all time which is the Little Mermaid. Now, don't get me wrong. I love Cinderella, favorite princess, but between Aladdin and the Little Mermaid, I could watch both of those today and laugh and have a good time and then watch them again next month and never tire. I agree. The Little Mermaid for me is one of those movies I could watch it every day. Oh, Ariel. You know, I mean, I just love the Little Mermaid to the point where, you know, I wanted to be the Little Mermaid. Do you brush your hair with a fork? Okay, my hair's super short, so. Okay, but. <laughs> <laughs> a dingle hopper. A dingle hopper, yeah. <laughs> the Little Mermaid is probably one and two with Cinderella mm -hmm. because she's a mermaid. Super fun. Super fun. And so I thought, well, how could this be, how could this scare anybody, right? How could you make the Little Mermaid right. scary? Right, yeah. Other yeah. than Ursula is scary. When she crawls with her arms, oh, so She's creepy. an octopus, okay? That's how they crawl. <laughs> No, but that scene, you have to admit, is creep town. Yes, no. Um, and I love Ursula and I love how she puts on her little lipstick, her little Me too. The yes. <laughs> yeah, we'll definitely get into Ursula oh in, in future episodes. She's great. So this adaptation can be attributed to Hans Christian Andersen, 1837. Ooh, that is the start of the Victorian era. And the Hans Christian Andersen empire, because I thought we would have mentioned him a lot sooner. Yeah, definitely. But the Little Mermaid, I watched it in the theater. I used to play a mermaid at a swimming pool. And my 11-year-old oh, yes. cousin and I thought the lifeguards were looking at us, but we were like 10 and 11. <laughs> right, um, right. They were not. But I was curious, okay, so what? what's with the Little Mermaid? How is this going to scare me? The Little Mermaid visits Ursula the Sea Witch, and she strikes a deal. Nothing new there, right? Right. She wants to swap her beautiful voice and tongue for legs. Ew, I just thought the word, like, physical tongue. Ew, sorry, everyone. Yeah, no. So she will only survive if she wins over the prince's affections. In the Hans Christian Andersen version, she doesn't get the man of her dreams as he marries someone else. Okay, so that's a little bit like the Disney version mm -hmm. there at the end. And if you didn't have the seagull squawking, then that could have happened. Right. So this poor, heartbroken, tongueless girl oh, is like, offered- Does she literally not have a tongue? I mean, I don't know, Monica. They didn't make a movie okay. about it. <laughs> 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 the heartbroken girl is offered an ultimatum by the sea witch 
Okay, so what? How how much worse can it get? Right? She's already giving yeah. away her tongue and her voice. Absolutely. She needs to murder the prince to live. Oh goodness, that's right. awful. In the Hans Christian Andersen story, the sisters basically sell her out. Oh, yeah. And those sisters, they do that in a lot of these fairy tales. Yes. And the sisters are corrupt also because they lure sail sailors to their death into the water. Oh, so they're sirens, basically. The exact opposite of what a mermaid is, right? So the mermaids in sailor lore, they're a good sign. Oh, okay. I didn't but know But in that. The Little Mermaid, they're all evil and they're murderers. <laughs> um, uh. So the book reveals that the prince is no prince at all. And so sorry. is he Aladdin? Is he a street rat? <laughs> the prince is no prince at all. So here we have the little mermaid who has sold her voice and tongue. We have her sisters who are murderers. And we have Ursula, obviously, who is like, you know, the mob. So how could the prince be bad? Well, so basically he likes to enjoy being entertained by female slaves at the palace. Gross. And he describes his love for the little mermaid as he would love a little child. I don't know if that's like, I, would, I don't even know how to interpret that. You don't want to Google interpreting that because <clears throat> if... <laughs> Right. But it could be, you know, as you would love a little child as a normal human would, right? Right. Right. So he so, had no affection for her that's that would, yeah, that kind of affection. That's how I would think. I am going to interpret it that way because the other way is just really gross. Yeah. And I've never heard that. So okay. let's not interpret it that way. My favorite passage, if human beings are not drowned, asked the little mermaid, can they live forever? Do they never die as we do here in the sea? Yes replied the old lady. They must also die. And their term of life is even shorter than ours. That's the little mermaid. You've got murder, murder. You said murder, suicide. So who suicided themselves? Yeah, no. So the little mermaid is supposed to kill the prince and then yeah. kill herself. <gasps> oh, what? That's not much of a bargain. No. I'm like working with the government or something. <laughs> that is just, <laughs> yes. <laughs> the only sure things in life, death and taxes. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Well, I definitely love the Disney version. I think, again, it's so humorous. Disney did a good job, does a good job of putting humor into their little stories. Do you remember? Okay, so this is going back to college. Do you remember when the scandal over the clouds broke out and seeing the male genitalia in the clouds oh, of the little mermaid? He- that, yes, and the priest has a boner at the end, and yes. you can only see these on the VHS versions. They are not in the CD versions. No, they're not. And we we, we had a VHS version at the Kyle Absolutely, yes. We rewound and looked and looked. And sure enough, you cannot explain to me what was going on with that priest. <laughs> no, it is so bizarre. Same thing with the cloud. I'm like, who Like, why? That? Yeah, why? exactly. They didn't think anyone was going to catch it when they released it. But once you start having things on VHS that you can rewind and watch so many times, you're going to see things. I don't know if they do stuff like that anymore, but there's a couple more in The Little Mermaid. And I don't remember what they were, but I I do remember watching. Scandalous. Scandalous. I mean, like, are you kidding me? Why? I'm sure that Disney tried to say it wasn't anything. But it's weird because it's not there anymore. 
You know, they actually did that in Lilo and Stitch, I think, originally in the one that was re was released at the theaters. She was hiding in a dryer, but in the released versions onto VHS and video, she's just hiding in a cabinet. Okay, that is disturbing. Yeah, so they didn't want children to play in dryers. They probably just didn't think about it, or did they? Because that the is people a designing whole... this movie, uh -huh. these movies, obviously don't have children. <laughs> I wonder sometimes. Yeah, so I'm sure that we could get into a whole other episode about Disney movie conspiracy theories because there's oh so God. many out there. I will tell you, I have come across Monica, so, so many. that is a genius many. episode idea. Well, I'm going to write it down right now. Yeah. All right, so that's all I've got on The Little Mermaid. Unfortunately, it is not the happy Disney version. The origin has very dark and twisty, murdery past, which is why I love it so much, even more. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. We hope you enjoyed this first installment of the second season of Two Monica's podcast and our series on fairy tales. Today's credits for music go to Kevin McLeod, Day of Chaos, Sovereign, Goldberg Variation, 988, and Terrence Hill. We also have some classical music provided by Sonata Number no. 8, Pathetic, and Waltz in A Minor. If you want to follow us, please go to Two Monica's Podcast on Instagram. That's with the number two.